0: I want to thank you uh, for coming to our premarital mentor training program uh, with the Gospel Center Marriage Curriculum. Uh, And uh, what we're going to be going through is the notebook. And the first thing that I put in there is a letter to you. Uh, And one of the things that I say in that letter uh, that I want to start our time with here uh, is that you are uh, embarking on uh, what I have found to be one of the most enjoyable Uh, and enriching ministries that we have here at the Summit Church. Uh, The number of mentor couples who come to me and talk about not what they're able to do for the engaged couples and what it means for them, but the way that mentoring these engaged couples enriches and invigorates their own marriage and their own walk for Christ is one of the really exciting things for me. Uh, And so I want to say thank you for being here uh, because one of our desires as a church is to make sure that every couple who gets engaged and married at our church has a mentor couple to walk with them both premaritally and postmaritally. There is no way that we could provide that uh, with just our pastoral staff meeting with folks a few times before their marriage. The quality of premarital preparation that we are able to give because of your investment here uh, is exponentially larger than it would be. Uh, And so I want to say thank you, and I also want to just let you know what you have to look forward to and what I think is a very exciting ministry. Now, as you think about what this experience is like, uh, I just want to invite you to consider two questions briefly. One is, what were the questions that you would have asked? during the first weeks and month and year of your marriage, uh, if you had had uh, a mature, experienced couple, to ask that to, And then also, in that same season, what are some of the lessons that you've learned uh, that you just thought, oh boy, I wish somebody had told us? Um, Because those are the kinds of things that we want to set you up to fill those gaps for the young couples at our church. We don't want you to feel the pressure of having to be the lead teacher in a comprehensive premarital preparation program and that you have to have mastered everything that a premarital couple would need to know in order to embark on a healthy marriage. We want you to share your story uh, around a curriculum that covers those materials so that your story becomes a vehicle for those couples to get to know that um, more personally. And so, uh, if you want to look at how we're going to do that, uh, if you turn to page 4 in your training manual, uh, that is the outline and overview for our time together. Uh, And what you see is that we're going to cover six core sections. Now, those six sections are not unique pieces of information. Each section is going to overlap with the section before, To where by the time we get to the end, if I have done my job well, it's going to begin to feel very instinctual to you. Where you would say, I know where this is going. I get this. That feels natural. I understand the rhythm and routine of what's going on. I feel very comfortable with a couple coming to my house because I've got a very good idea of what we're doing from meeting to meeting and how that's going to flow. But what we want to do here is just to get you a sense of what we're going to cover. In the first section, we're going to overview our preparing for marriage ministry as a whole. Because the mentoring part that you play is kind of one leg in a three-legged stool. Uh, the, those three legs uh, are the engaged discovery weekend. Uh, that's where if uh, five or six, maybe seven couples come together in a home, Uh, And they go through a time of teaching and training together with other engaged couples and a couple of teaching couples that uh, they get to know other couples in the same season of life, and they cover some of the material where if you say, well, where do we cover this? Well, some of the things that we don't cover in the seminars and in the mentoring is what we cover there. Uh, If you're with us via video and you say, ah, our church doesn't have an engaged Discovery Weekend, uh, I would say that the... Um, gospel-centered marriage material uh, and the mentoring component will give a very adequate premarital preparation. Uh, And with time, if you want to develop something like our Engaged Discovery Weekend, uh, that will go from very adequate to excellent in your church context. And it's the kinds of things that you as a church uh, can figure out how you want to make this your own. But uh, there's the Engaged Discovery Weekend, Uh, There's the Creating a Gospel-Centered Marriage Seminars. Uh, Those are the seminars that I lead on a regular basis here at the church that are open to our church at large, uh, but cover five core areas of foundations, communication, finances, decision-making, and intimacy uh, that will be kind of the backbone or skeleton of your mentoring relationship. So that's piece two. And piece U is the mentoring relationship. And that's what we're going to major on here together. Uh, after we overview the ministry, uh, we're going to go through the job description of a premarital mentor so that you can know, have I done my job? Uh, have I done the task that was set before me? If you're type A like I am, tell me what I need to do so that I can check each box. Uh, that's what the job description's for. Uh, then we're going to help you see how a couple gets from registration to your living room just so that you have an idea of what the journey is like for that couple, so that if they ask you questions, uh, you don't seem like, I I don't know how you got here, I can't relate to that. Did you got a sense of what that process was like? Then the fourth area that will be our main point of focus is just the mentoring process. Uh, And our goal here is that for each of the times that you meet with your couple, you know the key objectives for each meeting that you know how you need to prepare personally, that you know how to ensure, at least as best you can, that the engaged couple is prepared, uh, and you know when or how to connect that engaged couple uh, with other aspects of the counseling ministry. Now, here's what we want from this. If you ask, how do we know that this time has been successful? Uh, We recognize uh, that that time of premarital and wedding planning this couple has got so much going on. They are, If they remember 10% of the information that we try to download to them, uh, they will have done really well. Uh, our goal is that you are comfortable enough with the process that you can focus on the relationship and not get caught up and distracted by all the logistics. Because it's the relationship that they have with you that is going to be the biggest lasting impact. You can tell by the kind of manuals that I set up and the kind of seminars that I present uh, that I am pro-content. I I want to give them as much solid, biblical, gospel-centered content as we can. Um, But if we give them a solid relationship with a mentor couple and an understanding of what the post-marital habits are that they need to launch their marriage with, that will be the most effective premarital training that we can give them. And so we're going to try to accomplish those four objectives uh, for each of the six meetings uh, that you'll have with them. Then, uh, once we've covered that process, uh, we'll come to some of the frequently asked questions uh, where everybody raises their hand and goes, what about this? What about that? What if we don't think they're ready to get married? What if they only let us know two months before they're going to get married? What if they're living together? All of those kinds of questions we'll begin to look at in the Frequently Asked Questions section. And then there's a spot where you can give us some information. If you said, here are some of our life experiences that we would like, um, if it were beneficial for a couple, uh, that this is what we've been through, that if we could be paired with a couple with that experience, um, that we would like to let people know that information so that pairing could occur. Um, so that's the overview of our time. Uh, so let's uh, let's look at the preparing for marriage ministry. Uh, what is it that goes on? Now, as we said, there's three pieces. Uh, the Engage Discovery Weekend, uh, and that's there uh, on page five. Uh, you can see that outline is subject to change. Uh, but if you said, uh, I am interested in being a teaching couple, or I'd love to host a I'd love to open up our home and have those six or seven couples and a couple of teachers come in, and we just get to be a part of that. Uh, Tom Drogi is the person who leads that, and he does an absolutely phenomenal job. I can promise you that if you get connected with him and say, we would love to be a part of the Engage Discovery Weekend, you will feel like you know what you are supposed to do at every stage in this journey because he will walk you through that process with excellence. But that's what is uh, What is covered on the engaged Discovery Weekend. Then there's the latter two pieces of the marriage seminars and the mentoring. And the way that I would want you to think about those is kind of like we do small groups when we're in alignment. You have the sermon on the weekend, and then you have the small groups that discuss and unpack that sermon during the week. Uh, and that's the feel that we want to have between the seminars and the mentoring relationship. The seminars are like the weekend message. It's where some of the primary content is delivered. And then the mentoring relationship is like the small group experience where we unpack that. And as we go through each of those six meetings, uh, what you'll uh, begin to see there is how we decide what parts of those seminars is a best fit for each couple. Uh, Because our expectation is not that they're going to go through 15 hours' worth of seminar three hours for each of those five subjects like we've prepared. Uh, We have some assessment tools and different things that will allow you to pick whichever aspects of each of those seminars is most pertinent for each couple so that it can be broad yet specifically tailored as best we can to each couple. Uh, And so those are the three pieces uh, and how they work together. So if we look at page six, uh, this is your job description. Uh, This is how you know if you have done what it is that we're asking you to do uh, as a premarital mentor. So what is a summary of your position? Uh, It is a married couple who agrees to invest their time and life experience into the lives of one or more engaged couples as a part of the preparing for marriage ministry. Premarital mentoring is a lay level involvement in the summit counseling ministry. So we're going to pair you up with couples. We want you to invest in them, not as a professional full-time counselor who has a master's degree, um, but as a layperson who wants to use the experience that you have to come alongside to bless and invest in a couple. You say, what are the skills, the, the knowledge, the experience that I need? Well, here are the things that we ask. Um, that you be a covenant member of the Summit Church. And so if you're not already a part of our church, Uh, In terms of membership, you haven't been to Starting Point, uh, I'm not telling you to get out. I'm just saying go to Starting Point. Uh, You're here. You're invested in the ministry. You love what we do or you wouldn't be here. You're wanting to get involved. And so that next step for you uh, is Starting Point. And on the sign-in sheet, if you haven't done it, just circle no. We'll get back with you. We'll let you know when the next Starting Points are at your campus uh, so that you can do that. You need to be married uh, at least five years. And your marriage is healthy and being actively enriched. Uh, again, not looking for perfect marriages. We'll cover that several times. But we want you to have a healthy marriage that you are actively enriching, that you are doing things to improve the quality of your marriage in the same way that we want you to ask those couples to do. Uh, third thing is that you attend the preparing for marriage mentor training. That's where you are now. Check. Um, and then the fourth thing is the willingness and ability to share your marital experience in authentic, Christ-honoring way. Uh, And I think one of the best things that you have to give to these couples is just a humble, honest discussion of the strengths and weaknesses of your marriage. Because all of these couples, all may be an exaggeration, most of them, they come into marriage wanting a perfect marriage. And the first time that something goes wrong, they're going to think, oh no, we've messed up, we broke it. And if they can begin to see, here's a couple that we've gotten to know, we like them, they interact in a way that we would like to have a marriage where we honor one another like they do. And yet, they can acknowledge their strengths and weaknesses to one another and to other people. And you begin to create that kind of gracious environment for them to learn what marriage is going to be like. You have given them an absolutely precious and irreplaceable gift. And so, what are your responsibilities? What are the things that you'll do? We want you to pray with and for your engaged couple. And when you see that phrase, your engaged couple, I want you to have that sense of bond. I I want you to feel like this is your couple. Uh, what I love is we've got one of our mentor couples who's been in this ministry for the eight-year history of preparing for marriage here at Summit. And they have mentored two or more couples every year. So I think they're up to like 17 or 18. And they will tell you how many children and grandchildren they have in the preparing for marriage ministry. Because they view those that they've um, mentored as their kids And the kids that they have as their grandkids. And they just view this as kind of part of their family. And it is such a sweet kind of togetherness that they have. I love going to the wedding and seeing the mentor couple there in the ceremony. And just seeing the interaction that they've had together. Uh, Just a a special privilege that we have. Um, Next responsibility. Schedule at least six discussion meetings that utilize aspects of the Creating a Gospel-Centered Marriage Seminar Series. So in the first meeting, it's devoted to getting to know you. You're going to use a couple of tools that we'll go over in just a minute, helping you to get to know the history and personality of your couple. Meeting two, uh, you'll discuss aspects of the foundation seminar. Meeting three, communication. Four, finances. Five, decision-making. Six, intimacy. And then we ask you to be available for at least three meetings after their wedding. Scheduled around the six-week, the three-month, and the six-month mark. Now, if they schedule with us late and you don't get all of those meetings in beforehand, you can use some of those post-marital meetings to cover the things that you didn't get to cover premaritally. And then we want you to encourage the engaged couple to be a part of a small group. And if they're not a part of a small group, do you know what the best small group for them to be in is? Yours. Imagine the benefit as an engaged couple that with your mentors that you meet with one-on-one that you just get to see what it's like to be a part of a small group as a married couple. Uh, how is it that you have discussions as a couple? What are the kind of prayer requests that you bring? What's well, just that kind of touch-based question that I get to ask in between you know, us meeting every other week or once a month that I wouldn't normally get to ask? and. And maybe even during that first year of marriage, I get to see and be a part of some of that. Um, Yet, if they are not a part of a small group already, uh, you don't have to require them, but I think we want to highly encourage that kind of interaction. Now, what are our objectives um, that we would want to come out of these responsibilities? Uh, We want to prepare engaged couples for a real God-glorifying marriage. And sometimes we hear the word real and it comes across with like a negative connotation. You know, somebody says, you need some real counseling. Uh, that means you know, you got problems, you got issues. Uh, and it's like something that's bad. One of the most precious statements that I've gotten from one of our engage, uh, mentor couples is they said, our engaged couple came to us and they said, you are the first people that have ever talked positively about marriage to us. Everybody else who talked about marriage, it was this bad thing, it was a ball and chain, you're just going to hurt one another, you're in love now, it'll wear off. And everybody else who had talked to this couple about marriage, it had been negative. And for them to come and for there to be a positive portrayal that marriage was a blessing that God wanted to give, That was new and fresh. And so, yes, we want to talk realistically about the challenges that we all face. But real is not a negative word. We want uh, to help couples shift their view of marriage from me-centered to God-centered. And we all know we enter marriage with our perfect dream for that marriage. We have a picture that we have been dreaming all the time that we've been single of what we want marriage to be like, and we have found the person that we can plug into that dream and it's going to make all of our dreams come true. And we go into marriage with that kind of self-centered perspective. Just because that's all we've been able to do is dream about marriage and we have our dreams and our dreams seem very lifelike and they fit us perfectly and... Instead of you being a real person who has your own dreams and interests and ideas for what it would be like, I kind of go into it thinking, I'm just going to plug you into my dream and you're going to make it all come to life. And just helping couples walk through that. A third thing that we want as an objective. To provide a forum for engaged couples to fellowship with an experienced married couple. Uh, In a day when we don't interact cross-generationally very much... Uh, That's really important. Uh, How many married couples get married and the only other married couples they spent much time with was their parents? And just a couple that's a generation or two ahead of them by five, ten years, and they've kind of seen somebody at that distance that they weren't related to. That's such a great thing for us to offer and make available to them. Fourth aspect is we want to connect the engaged couple with a breadth of resources for ongoing marital enrichment. And that's a major emphasis in the way that we've designed uh, our mentoring program, is that as they get to know each seminar, that is, they're going to get a maybe a Sam Club sample. You know, the sweet ladies at Sam's, and, and you walk through and they give you a bite of something wanting you to bite the whole thing? Uh, that's what we want kind of each of these interactions over a seminar They're going to take maybe 30 minutes at most an hour of any given seminar that's three hours long and and get a piece of that. And then we would love for over the course of their first five years of marriage for that couple with their small group to study each of those five seminars as a way to reinforce some of that. And, And what we'll talk about in a bit is how if there's an area that's really kind of got this couple in a bind that they can connect with other aspects of our counseling ministry. And it's not as if they had to go to counseling for anything, but they can come into counseling saying, here's the area that we need to focus on, and that their engagement with that counselor can be on that area of need. And they have a very positive first experience of what marriage and counseling would be like, so that they are more likely to ask for help at each step along the way, when and if it's needed. And that's the kind of thing that we want to facilitate and set up through the way that we've designed this ministry. So, uh, that's the job description. And now we ask the question, how do they get from registration to your living room? And there's kind of a a three-step journey there. Step one is, they have to learn about the ministry. They have to know that this opportunity is available to them. As a church, we're trying to do a better and better job of making this ministry known. Um... The best thing that you can do for us in that regard, because it is something we have to continually keep out there, is just word of mouth. One of the things that I hope happens as a result of this time is that you leave here excited about this ministry and you think, we can do this, this is great, this is not nearly as intimidating as we thought it was going to be when we come in. And you talk to several of your other friends who could be mentors, you go, this is something you got to do because we think it's going to be great. And if you know couples that are being um, that are getting engaged and in need of premarital counseling, that you would say, you know, that preparing for marriage ministry, the mentoring part that we got the Gospel Center marriage seminars, you guys really should do that. And there is nothing better than that kind of word of mouth interaction uh, that we would ask to help that you help us make this known. Now, step two: once they know about it, they register. If they go to Summit backslash PFM, uh, if they call our church office and say we want premarital counseling, how do you guys do that? Uh, we give them a form. Uh, it costs sixty dollars for the program. If they ask you where does that sixty dollars go, uh, almost all of it goes to offset the Engaged Discovery weekend food and other expenses that we have with that. That just makes that a good uh, experience for them. But they fill out that registration page. Uh, And at that point, they get a letter from me uh, that is on page 8 of your uh, notebook there. You can read through that. Um, And basically what I tell them, if you look at the middle of the page, uh, is I say, look, I know you've got so much going on in your life uh, that you think, how are we going to remember what we're learning? I want to ask you to focus on two things. Relationship with your mentor and postmarital habits because that's where we think the biggest influence is going to be. Get as much of the content as you can. doesn't mean skip parts of it, but if it means you're thinking about wedding and who's going to sit where and how we're getting people in town and all of that, and all of the information doesn't stick, the two things that we encourage them to focus on is the quality of relationship with you as their mentor and what are those post-marital habits that we need to make sure we're doing in that early weeks and months that's going to set the course for what we do after that. But what do we do with that registration form? Uh, We give it to Jill Sheets, who is our marriage mentor coordinator. If you haven't interacted with her already, you will get to know her. She is fabulous. She will make sure that you get paired up with couples, that you know who they are, lots of questions that you have. She will do a fabulous job of answering those questions. You are in excellent hands with Jill. She loves her job. And as a volunteer, she does above and beyond anything I could ask out of her love for what this does for engaged couples. And then we send that information to Tom, uh, who contacts them about the engaged Discovery Weekends, what slots are available, and gets them scheduled. And we let them know about seminars that are upcoming. So once Jill gets that information, she is going to contact you and ask you. We have a couple. uh, I see that you uh, currently aren't mentoring someone or want to know if you'd be willing to take on another couple. She will ask you uh, if you say yes. uh, What we ask of you is that you get in touch with that couple. Jill will give you their information uh, within 24 to 48 hours. Because if you think about it, you're engaged, you sign up for this program, you're really excited. There's going to be a little bit of time lapse between when we get that information and you know we give it to Jill and then Jill to you. And so they're chomping at the bit to hear from somebody at that point who's going to be kind of that life-on-life relationship. Uh, so do that. Set a time to meet. And as we go through the material, you're going to see that we give you semi-scripted emails. Uh, that in terms of what you need to send to them, you can copy and paste out of a Word document that has all the information that you would need to set up so that they've done everything that they need to do, or at least they know they should do it. And you can feel confident that, um, that you've communicated what you need to. Now again, we ask that you personalize it a little bit. Don't leave name. Replace their names with that. Uh, for your phone number, don't leave like the number sign seven times across there. Uh, replace those things. But uh, we want this to be as easy as it can be for you because we want your focus to be on relationship, not on administration. Again, that's a major emphasis for me. I want to make the process as easy as possible so your focus can be on the relationship that you're developing. So uh, that's how the couple gets to you. You can see the registration form. Uh, And that brings us to the mentoring process, uh, which in your notebook um, begins on page 10. Uh, What we've done is we've created a few pages uh, on my website uh, that just house most of this information. Um, bradhambrick.com backslash GCM. Uh, That's where if any church in the area wants to access this material and run this program, uh, they have full access to everything they need. Which means if you forget any other of the websites, if you can just remember backslash GCM, you can get to everything that you need. Now, we created a page for the engaged couples. It's where I tell them to go in that letter that I send them uh, that we give them initially when they register. Uh, What they will find there is the most up-to-date tools Uh, they'll find a link to each of the seminars that's in video form uh, if they're not able to come to a live event. Uh, We prefer they come to the live event, but in terms of them going through it in order and having access to it whenever they might enroll with the program, uh, having it on video ensures that we can do that. And we give them a meeting-by-meeting objective video. And and what that is, is it's either a three- or four-minute video where I'm sitting in front of a webcam at my desk in my office and saying, hey, you're getting ready for your first meeting with your marriage mentors. I know you're excited. You wonder what they're going to be like. Let me tell you what you're going to cover tonight. Uh, you're going to go over, after you just kind of do the pleasantries and get to know them, you're going to use a tool that we give you that's right under this video to share your personal story and hear their personal story. we got a tool that kind of overviews some personality differences where you can get to know kind of how you and your spouse are together and how you're different, and then you can get to know your mentor couples and kind of see what's going on there. And I just kind of walk them through, this is what you're going to cover, so that... If you watch that two- to four-minute video and they watch that two- to four-minute video, when everybody's coming together, we're on the same page about what's supposed to happen. So that's what they have on their page. Uh, We have a separate page that's for you. And it has a couple of things that we saw. These are important things for you to have that is just kind of awkward to put out there in front of the engaged couples. Uh, So what we add is some of the sample exercises, uh, the form emails. Uh, you know, they go, oh, this is the form email they're going to send me. We probably don't want that on the Engage Couple page. Uh, that's on the Mentor page. And then uh, updates to the Frequently Asked Questions. So if you say, ah, what if some Frequently Asked Questions come up after this presentation is done that I didn't get to hear as a part of my training? Uh, on the Mentor page, we update any of the really good questions that we get from mentors. That we go, this would be great for the other mentors to have. Uh, we update that there. So if you scroll to the bottom and go, ah, it's time stamped, this is when it was updated, we can see um, when that is. And hopefully you'll go to that page each time you're going to meet with your couples just to overview it. And if you scroll to the bottom and look at it, you'll see if there's any fresh questions. That would be a good continuing education for you as a mentor couple. So, um, now after the first meeting, um, a process is going to begin that is kind of the regular rhythm that is going to be the rhythm of each meeting. Uh, and we have you ever noticed how in reality TV shows um, that every every show is different. You know, extreme home makeover. Each family, each house, each situation is different, but there's enough that is similar that you can go, ah, this is the same show. We want there to be enough rhythm. To what goes on in each meeting? That's what's covered in each subject is different. The kind of conversations that we have, but there's enough rhythm that we go, ah, this is the same kind of process. So you have that spot at the, where they go, welcome home, so and so family, and you're like, yeah, that's how they concluded. You know, it's the exciting part. Um, this rhythm is what it will look like. So, uh, before the meeting. Uh, The couple completes three online evaluations. Uh, Again, I would encourage you to go look at those. You just kind of click, you know, a little one to five score. They hit enter at the end. It does all the math, computes the results. And once they do that, they can email those results directly to you. So you get the summary evaluation and you get the answer to every question uh, so that you can look over that. Uh, So before the meeting, uh, they're going to send you that. And that's what you're going to discuss at the end of the meeting to decide what you're going to talk about next time. The majority of your time together, you're going to discuss the homework that you gave them the meeting before. And how you decided that is at the end of the meeting, you're going to take five to seven minutes. You're going to look over those results and say, based on what you gave us, we could see this was what would be most profitable for us to talk about in the area of communication, or this would be what would be most profitable for us to talk about in the area of finances, and so those evaluations will help you tailor what's going to be most beneficial for that couple. So, at the end of the meeting, if you say, "Ah, listening," that would be a great skill for you guys to learn. We want you to do hour two of the, or not hour two, chapter two. That's about thirty minutes on the communication seminar. That's your homework, and that's the aspect that we're going to talk about when we come together next time. And so that's the flow of what it looks like. Now, we give you a form email. And what we ask is that you send that to the engaged couple one week before the actual meeting. So whenever you schedule a time to meet with your engaged couple, just go seven days before that and mark, send them an email. Because they got all kinds of stuff going on in their life. And they will completely forget and they will come with broken hearted, good intentions. We so meant to listen to that material that you recommended to us or to read it. And they won't. But if you give it to them a week before as a reminder, oh, we got that meeting with our mentors coming up. We need to do this. And there's a much stronger probability that that's going to get done. So uh, we think that there are some advantages to this kind of broken up, small assessment to select material format. And I want you to understand why we've designed it that way so that you feel more comfortable kind of operating within the system that we've created. Uh, What we think it does is it gives structure with flexibility. And hopefully that begins to make sense. There is this overall structure We need to know one another. There's kind of five core areas that we make sense, why these would be the main things that we would focus on. But within that, there's flexibility that we can choose things within that subject area that best fits this couple. Yet, we want to set you up to share your experience without feeling the pressure of being the lead teacher. We don't want you to feel like you have to go read a dozen books on marriage to put together the uh, best parts of it. Uh, I feel like that's my responsibility as pastor of counseling to go and read those kind of materials, to put it together in some kind of format where you feel like you're getting some of the best material from those uh, books that share the values that we have as a church and go, okay, uh, all I need to do is facilitate this uh, with our experience. We think giving smaller bite-sized units evaluations is better than one great big evaluation you go through some premarital evaluations and they're seven 700 questions long. And by the time you get to like 200, you're brain mush. You got nothing left. You're just clicking because something needs to be clicked and you're trying to get to the end of it. Uh, if we can give them smaller bite-sized pieces... I think we're going to get more attention. We're going to have them interacting with it. Once they interact with it once and they see the value of the discussion it brings, the level of engagement that they give with the ones after that when they see the value just goes up significantly And the full process is richer as we go along. Again, as we've said, this gives them something they can study with their small group afterwards they do that one part on listening and they realize there's five other parts they didn't get to discuss and it was really good and they would like to do that, then yeah, we'd love to do that with our small group. And we've enticed them with one bite with doing the kinds of things postmaritally that we want them to do. And then as we'll talk about a bit later, it becomes a point of connection with the counseling ministry if additional counseling is needed where they can pinpoint this is what we need to work on we've kind of heard some of the material. I mean, a lot of people don't go to counseling because they don't know what a counseling conversation would be like. I mean, they can going to make me sit down on a couch, look up at ceiling, ask me about my inner child. I mean, I don't even know who that is. I mean, what, what would you do with a counselor? And they begin to go through some materials like this where they get a sense of what the conversation would be like. It is much safer to pass that baton and to engage in something that's new and different if it doesn't feel as foreign. So... Uh, A couple of other notes about the process before we go into each of the six meetings. Uh, First note, uh, the evaluations that we've set up are progressive in nature. Uh, And so what that means is that there are three evaluations in the communication seminar, and we put them in an intentional order. The first of those is listening. Because if we don't listen well, We can't communicate. Oftentimes we think good communication is about getting our point across. Uh, Often I find that those who uh, have bad communication, they get their point across great. Uh, What they struggle with is listening. And so the first of those is listening. Uh, The second evaluation is day-to-day communication. If we don't do a good job of staying up to speed with one another, then when it comes time to navigate the difficult things that we would do in conflict, We're not going to have that information. We're not going to know each other and trust each other well enough to engage in that well. And the third evaluation is on conflict resolution. And so when you get those three evaluations uh, for each meeting, uh, if all the scores are equal, our recommendation is to start with the first one. There's a couple of exceptions uh, that I'll mark with an asterisk a bit later, uh, but we'll come to that. Uh, But just kind of know if all scores are equal, let's start with the first. But if one of these scores is kind of a greater need, absolutely fine to come and focus on that area of greater need. So, uh, note two uh, in the first chapter of each of the Gospel Center Marriage Seminars, it discusses 20 challenges in that particular area. So, 20 challenges to marital communication, 20 challenges to marital finances. I don't advise that you make that the focal point of your conversation with the couples. Uh, I think it would just be kind of negative, overwhelming, intimidating. Um, What I do think there is some value just in reviewing that material is for you to look at it and just remember when you guys learn some of those lessons. Because it's a great thing to call up some of the stories and examples just going, yep, I remember when we learned that one the hard way. Ooh, I, I didn't even realize we learned that, but we did, and that's a way that we can put it into work. And it gives you some of those things that you can draw out and bring up in those areas, but not something that I think is best facilitating uh, the premarital mentoring interactions. Now, before we go into the meetings, yet um, I want you to... Uh, understand why we have designed things the way that we have. Uh, Our objective in creating this gospel-centered marriage premarital mentoring program is so that it could be replicated in as many of our church plants and other churches as possible. One of the things that is incredibly exciting to me is that in in our next church plant to Wilmington, we have One of our couples that's been a part of this ministry for the last four years who is going on this church plant. So that church planner can know with confidence, here is somebody who can lead uh, this premarital aspect of our church's ministry and that can be a point of relief for that church planner, and they can know that it will be done with experience and excellence. And we want in more and more churches for there to be Uh, premarital mentoring ministries. And so if you have friends in this area at other churches or somewhere else and you said they would love to have a ministry like this, bradhambrick.com backslash GCM and just say, check it out. Take a look at it. Use it. Uh, Because I think it is a special privilege of mine to be in a position where I am the pastor of counseling with no slash in my title. That I can focus my attention and energy on developing things like this And I think that that privilege comes with a stewardship responsibility to create things that could be used in other churches that haven't yet grown or may not grow to a size where they can dedicate somebody to that kind of position, but they can still have these kinds of ministries in their church. And so with that that in mind, let me plant one seed. Begin to ask yourself right now, are we a couple that's going to go with a church plant And if we ask ourselves, what was it that we might add to one of those church plants that we could give to be a part of that team? Might it be taking this ministry on that church plant so that even as I'm infiltrating that community and getting to know people in those circles of influence, then in addition to that, bringing this kind of ministry so that that church planter could know this will be run with excellence. I'm not trying to get rid of you. Uh, I just want to plant that seed of thought at this point Might this be something that God uses in your life in a church planning effort? Now, uh, that brings us to uh, the flow of these six meetings. And hopefully as we go through this, you begin to get a sense now, this is familiar. This feels comfortable. Uh, On page 11, you'll see a chart with these kind of rectangles going across. Everything that we're going to cover you can look at there. Or if you go from pages 12 and following, there's kind of a, a different format. But we wanted to give you a one-stop shop that when you go, okay, this is meeting two with our engaged couple. What is it that we do? You can look at it, see it all in one page. It, uh, so that's what page 11 is. I'm going to talk uh, off of the pages that follow. Um, and so meeting one what is your primary objective? To get to know your engaged couple and allow them to get to know you. If that happens, meeting one is a success. You don't have to drop any deep spiritual marital bomb on them that totally rattles their cages and they go, ah, we will remember that for the rest of our life. If at that first meeting, you get to know them, they get to know you, a bond of trust develops Great meeting. Now, content areas, history, both their personal and uh, relational history, and personality. We give you three tools that we want you to cover. Now, in this first meeting, there's a little additional homework that kind of serves as jumper cables to get that process that we just talked about uh, going. So before this meeting, they will have sent you the three evaluations for the foundation seminar. And they will have done a little additional homework on top of that. Uh, They would have done an exercise where they sketch uh, their marriage or engagement story. And so if you look in your notebook, that's on pages 13 and 14. Uh, On page 13, there's just an explanation of how to use that. And then there's a chart that's because I love Excel charts and I'm kind of OCD. There's a nice little Excel chart where they can trace out their personal story. Uh, Kind of birth from getting to know you as their premarital mentors. And as they mark what the key events are, uh, they kind of chart what the major positive and negative experiences were there, uh, some of the comments that they would want to share with that. Uh, This is where you get to know some of those things like, do they come from a broken home? And how might that impact uh, their engagement and some of the fears that they have going into their relationship or other relationships that may have gone very... um, badly for them, or just other great things, excitement, dreams, and you just you get to know those things in this kind of document. Um, your homework, uh, leaving here as marriage mentors, is to do this exercise and the next exercise that I'm going to talk about. So you leave here and you say, I got this whole little notebook, what do I need to do leaving here tonight? Just ask that you do those two exercises, uh, that you share that. If you really want to be type A overachiever, uh, on page 16, I give you a color chart where you can take different themes of the gospel In that line that is connected as you go through the positive and negative experiences, you just take different themes of the gospel and with markers or coloring pencils, I think work better than markers so they don't bleed over one another, you just shade those colors on it. And it almost makes the gospel come to life in three dimensions and pop off the page as you see that. And this is the kind of tool that if this couple goes through their story and you go through your story, I hope that you feel like you get to know each other really well. Now, uh, the second uh, tool that we give you is something called celebrating our non-moral differences. And that's not the catchiest title in the world. Uh, But this is a little bit of a personality inventory uh, with what I would consider to be a gospel-centered twist. Uh, and all you do is you go through on about 15 different variables and you mark where you and your spouse is or they mark where they and their fiancé are just on introvert to expert, extrovert, bold versus timid, calm versus excitable, reserved versus expressive. And you just mark where you are. And the reason we emphasize that this is celebrating our non-moral differences Because neither side of this chart is good. And neither side of this chart is bad. These are non-moral differences. These are unique facets of who we are that are to be appreciated and celebrated. But after we get married in the areas where our spouse is different than we are, we begin to treat them as if they're bad. We begin to give them a moral weight. And so I think a really cool conversation is just for the engaged couple to see where you're different, and how you've navigated those things. And here's another really cool thing that you can do that I think will be immensely beneficial for these engaged couples. Mark where you are now versus where you were when you got married. Because I can tell you, if I track me now versus where I was 14 years ago when I stood in front of Sally taking our vows, I'm a different person. Over the course of 15 years, I've changed. And she's changed. Uh, And and just for them to see that when they say, till death do us part, they're not saying as long as you stay the person that you are right now. And for them to be able to ask you, when those things change and you begin to see your spouse becoming a bit of a different person, what do you think about that? I mean, what a great conversation to have with an engaged couple so that they feel the freedom to talk about those things. Now, uh, a third tool uh, is we ask them to sign a purity covenant. Uh, On the page that they go to, uh, there's a brief video where I'm talking in a webcam again, and I kind of walk through why we do this. Uh, This isn't one where I want you to feel like you're the purity police, but uh, for the reasons that I give in that video, uh, we want to set them up that if purity has been a struggle, and honestly, it should be. Uh, I mean, let's not be naive. This is a couple. They like one another a lot. They're choosing to get married. They, they want to be together. If purity is not a struggle, it is a bigger problem than if it is. Uh, and so, let's just take this point where if they say, yeah, this is a struggle and we don't know who we can talk to about this and we would just like to have somebody who could encourage us in this. We want to break the awkwardness and say we're here for that, uh, and so we're not saying we're going to ask you every time that we come together where have your hands been, uh, but we want to be available to encourage you in this area that we honestly don't talk about a whole lot. We'll come to the cohabitation piece here in just a bit, um, but uh, those are the things that you use at the in meeting one at the end of that time you're going to look at the three evaluations they're going to set up meeting two. You're going to look at their relational expectations, how well they understand marriage is covenant, and how well they think through role expectations. And you're going to pick one of those areas to say, this is what we ought to think we ought to work on in meeting two. So uh, with that said, uh, let's go to meeting two. Uh, if you're in the notebook, that's on page 19. Uh our primary objective in meeting two is to screen for red flags. There's a section in those evaluations. You will see it. It says red flags. It will tell you what numbers those questions are, and you can look at it and go, are either of these people um, suffer with addiction? Do they have any relationships outside? The kinds of things that would be red flag issues, we ask them. We can't make them be honest. Anything counseling-related is only as effective as people are honest. We can't make them be honest. We can give them every opportunity to be honest. So we do that. So by screen for red flags, I don't mean you're asking some kind of mind-reading questions. I mean you look at that section on red flags, and if there's something that pops up that's a concern, you ask. Um, So we screen for red flags to help them think through um, what kind of covenant relationship they're going into. Uh, we don't scream for the red flags to that, but we also help them think through what it is like to enter in a covenant relationship. This relationship is different from any other relationship they've had. Their best friend was not a covenant relationship. Uh, Their general peer relationships were not a covenant relationship. This is the first time they are entering into this kind of relationship. So it should be new. And we want them to understand there's nothing wrong with you feeling kind of confused and curious. It, This is new, and you should have that kind of question. So uh, we give them uh, three areas of evaluation. Expectations, covenant, uh, character and role expectations. Now you'll see an asterisk beside number three. Uh, what that means is uh, I would suggest unless one of those other two just pop off the page, that you focus on that third section. Uh, Because what we give them there is a job description for a husband and wife that I think is very important for that couple to go through. And it just walks through four areas of responsibility. Uh, The first three are shared area of responsibility for both husband and wife. And that third area is where they get a unique job description for them as husband and wife. Uh, And so, again, that first area, they just look through, do I have the personal character necessary to set up a lasting relationship? My marriage relationship will not be healthier than my personal character. So we look through the fruit of the Spirit, the different ways that those can be distorted. Are they self-aware and are there any red flags there? Then the second area is that I have a responsibility to be a healthy friend who is capable of engaging in an enduring relationship. Because marriage should be the example of friendship, not the exception. So what we do there is we go through ten of the one another commands of the New Testament that we think are representative of Christian friendship. And we ask them to think through What are my strengths in each of these areas? What do I naturally do well? What are my weaknesses in each of these areas? And then what in each of these areas is most important to my spouse? Just so that they begin to get to know that aspect of being a good friend to my spouse is part of my marital job description that has nothing to do with being male or female. Third area is I need to be a mature and functional adult. Uh, And there are just certain areas of maturity and life management that I need to administrate well. And and it walks through those, and it uses that preface to Ephesians 5.25 and following in the area where Paul is talking about just personal maturity to look at managing my time and my finances and making good decisions and those kinds of things. Just how do we do in those areas? And then in the fourth area, it overviews, Uh, what is unique to a husband in his role as leader of the family and what is unique to the wife and her role in the family. And so that they get a sense that being a good husband and wife is not less than headship and submission, but it is more than that. There is more to the relationship than those distinctive roles without in any way downplaying what they will look like. So we try to contextualize that. And I think a couple going through that Unless one of these other areas is just off in a significant way would be the most profitable area to focus on in letting you get to know them and overviewing something important in that second meeting. So after you have that conversation, they'll give you uh, they will have already sent you and you'll discuss the three evaluations from the communication seminar where you'll decide are we gonna talk about listening, day-to-day communication, or conflict resolution. Uh, so when you come. Uh, your objective is to uh, assess and assist the couple in three areas of communication, whichever one of those is the largest need for them. So they will have sent you those evaluations before meeting two. You look at it, pick which one. You assign them those sections of that seminar. If the seminar is live, Uh, They can come to it. If it doesn't fit, they can watch it online. If they want to get the notebook and read through that because they'd rather read than listen and they're a reading learner instead of a visual or audio learner, we try to make it available in many different styles and formats uh, so that they can engage that material in the way that fits best. And you just walk through that material with them, hearing where they're at, sharing some of the lessons that you've learned. At the end of that meeting, you look at the three evaluations from the finances seminars. Where you look at their beliefs and financial character. What do they think, believe about money and how well do they live it out? The budgeting process and their attitude towards debt and savings. And you pick one of those. Uh, you will notice uh, that there's an asterisk again. Uh, because I think unless there is just major differences in their beliefs and character related to finances, that we should walk them through the budgeting process. Because budgeting is one of those life skills that nobody ever gets taught. And budgeting is harder with two people than it is with one person. And culturally, we don't do it well with one person. And so just walking them through, how would we do a budget? We give them an Excel document that would walk them through where they could know where all of their money went every month and how that compared with what they intended to spend in each area. If they do it the way that we advise, it would take them less than 30 minutes a week in order to pull that off. They don't have to use the Excel document that we give. But if they say, we just don't know how to do this, and as we look at other systems that may fit us better, if we could see one that worked and hear it described, then we could take aspects of that and we could work in another system. That's fine. We are all for that. But I think having a couple think through a budgeting process immensely beneficial. So at the end of that meeting, they will have sent you three evaluations in the area of decision making. Personal decision making, consensus decision making, headship and submission. Uh, I will take just a moment to describe the progression there because I think there is maybe a touch of novelty in the way that we've set this up. That is meant to be another progression. Uh, The first section is on how do I do in my personal decision-making. The foundation for marital decision-making is wise and healthy personal decisions. We will never make better decisions as a unit than we do as individuals. We may be two wise personal decision-makers who don't do decision-making well as a couple, but we won't do this well without doing personal decision-making well. So we want to assess, do they have shared values and process that is clear and known between them in the way that they make decisions? Then that next level is consensus decision making. How do we make decisions as friends? Um, That the majority of our decisions should not be made through headship and submission where the husband is making some kind of authoritative declaration, this is what we have to do because it meets my preferences. That would be... That would be bad. And so the majority of decision making is made through consensus. Again, one of those skills, nobody ever teaches. How do we do that? And so there's material there to help them assess and figure out what would that look like. And then there are times when we don't agree and a decision needs to be made and headship and headship and submission is going to be expressed. How would we do that in a way that contributes to the unity and trust of our marriage and doesn't begin to undermine these other areas. So that's the progression in the way that we developed that seminar. They will do evaluations. Uh, you'll pick the one that you think is the best fit for them. Uh, again, you go, ah, I would love for them to have all of that. We want them to feel that way too so that postmaritally they'll come back and go through this and they got just enough of the taste or sample that this becomes part of their postmarital habit. Now, uh, meeting six, uh, intimacy. They will have done three evaluations uh, on uh, just their preferences in giving and receiving love. Uh, How well they're living in the larger love story. Uh, That's hopefully not as cheesy as it sounds. But my contention would be we tend to be most selfish with the things that are most enjoyable. Just part of human tendency. And if we're saying that marriage is one of life's most enjoyable relationships and that love and intimacy and sex and all that goes along with that is one of life's highest pleasures, then our tendency is going to be most self-centered in that area. And so I think it's important to step back and to frame this area of marriage within that larger gospel narrative so that we don't cave in on ourselves on one of the biggest blessings that God wants to give us. And then we have a section on being an excellent lover. And if you say, ah, we're just not comfortable having the sex talk, uh, it is fine to say, you guys need to watch those videos uh, and focus in some of those areas. But I would highly encourage you to encourage the couple to take the time to go through that material. Because if we pause for a moment and ask the question, how many of us had a good sex education? How many of us feel like that talk that we had with our parents told us everything we needed to know? Uh, conversations we were having with friends in like middle school locker room and high school and that kind of stuff, they totally knew what they were talking about. I mean, just where we get most of our sex education doesn't tend to be of a high quality. And so taking a time, and I give an hour and a half to that section of the material, to walk through how do we understand the blessing that God wanted to give us in sex in a way that we get everything from it that God wanted to give us in it. And that we have a wholesome conversation so that sex doesn't belong to the world. But we go, no, it belongs to God. He made it and He wants it to be a lot of fun. Let's take some time to talk about that. So, uh, when that meeting concludes, you don't have to talk about any more evaluations. Uh, But we have a letter um, that we would like for you to give the couple and for you to personalize it. I give you a few blanks at the end. I would much rather you write a letter on the back but this is where we want to reinforce for the couple what they need to do after they finish this program. And if you look at the bullets, we want them to stay in touch with their mentors. We want them to stay in touch with you. That's the six week, three month, six month, even after that relationship. We want them to be in a small group. We want them to study one of the Gospel Center of Marriage seminars per year for the first five years of their marriage. On their one year anniversary, we would love for them to come back and be on the panel at the Engaged Discovery Weekend, where they talk with other couples who were they were, where they were. You know what I mean, uh, and they get to see how much they've grown in that first year and what they've learned as they see where the couples are that are where they were. In the second and third year, we want them to consider hosting in our Engaged Discovery Weekend. So that that's another opportunity for them to be exposed to this teaching again, invest in other marriages. And we want them to begin praying that in five years we will be premarital mentors because we have committed to making our our marriage the kind of marriage that could be an example for other couples. And we want them to embark from the moment that they say I do with that kind of objective in mind that we are going to create a marriage that's not perfect but can be an example and will invest in other couples as a way that we enrich our own marriage. In any personal notes that you just want to give them, words of encouragement, that kind of thing, we want you to include with this. But those major points, we want them to feel like they're already there uh, and that you include that. So that's the process. Hopefully as we went through it, you were kind of like, yeah, I get it. Uh, don't know totally what's in those seminars and we can watch and do whatever parts of that that we need to do. You know, you asked me as a couple, do we have to go through all 15 hours of all five seminars? No. Um, now, if, you, if you've got a couple and you wanted to do kind of a, uh, a seminar and dinner uh, and you came to part of the seminar and then you went afterwards because it lined up, that would be a great way to go through maybe a larger section together and just go to the seminar and have a date night as two couples together. Uh, but by and large, if you ask them to do one part, you know, get the notebook, watch the video, listen to the uh, podcast, go through that material yourself, and, and that's really uh, all that, that we would ask of you as mentor couples there. So now we come uh, to many of the frequently asked questions. What are some of those things that mentors ask at this stage in the journey uh, that, that are helpful for us to cover for you? Now, one. What if the couple comes into the program late? Honestly, that is to be expected. Uh, it, it feels like it happens more times than not. Uh, as a church, we cannot be a social engineer. Uh, we, can, we can create, hopefully, an excellent and robust, comprehensive premarital program. We can let people know about it as well as possible so that as early in the process they know that it's here. But we can't force them to be a part of it at a particular juncture. So, if they come to you late, here's what we advise. Remain positive. I put that in there because I'm enough type A. Follow the rules. We gave you a program. You need to be in this six months in advance. That My attitude tends to snarl a little bit when people don't follow the process. So remain positive. Don't be like me. Uh, screen for red flags. That's going to come in the evaluations that you get on that first night. Look for those things. If there's no red flags, stay on schedule. Don't try to meet more often than every two to five weeks. Every other week is about as frequently. I mean, that's almost too much for some of the work and everything else that they've got going on. Ideal is about once a month, six months leading up to that. Stay on schedule. Don't try to cram it in. They won't remember any of it. Uh, And allow the post-wedding meetings to cover whatever you didn't get to primarily. Question two, what if we think they need to meet with a more experienced counselor? Um, now, as we cover this, I just want to say, uh, this is generally the minority experience. We cover this particularly at the end of the seminar, and we fall into that trap to where, to, with a man with a hammer, everything looks like a nail, and this is kind of what we expect to find. Uh, don't go into the relationship expecting that. But, um, you know, a couple of things we'd want you to remember. First... Uh, Your role is that of an advisor, and there's limits to that role. You can make wise, well-informed advisements with clear, practical next steps. After that, you don't have a lot of control, and that's often one of the hardest things for compassionate people who want to be in a counseling-related ministry. Uh, is just recognizing where your limits are, and people aren't going to do this as well as they could, and it's going to hurt them. Um, Secondly, you need to realize that we as a church may decide that an issue is problematic enough that one of our pastors cannot in good conscience perform the wedding. And in that sense, we do want to play good cop, bad cop a little bit, and we want you to be the good cop. Uh, To where if something comes up and it's a concern, as we'll talk about, we'll want you to let the pastor know. And let the pastor be the one who says, I don't think we can endorse this marriage right now. And we want you to maintain the relationship because relationship is the opportunity for influence. And as they go through more of the materials, even if they get their feelings hurt and they're not quite sure why we're advising things, even if they choose to get a pastor outside of here to do the wedding, That is an opportunity to influence and help these things make more sense and to care for them well. So in terms of what we advise you to do in that situation, I give you some steps here in a very intentional order. First, listen well. Best piece of counseling advice I ever got. If you don't know what to say, ask more questions. Uh, If you find yourself in that kind of situation, just ask more questions. Uh, If the concern that you have is minor, uh, then recommend that that's a seminar that they go through with their small group in that first year. I would encourage you to look for which of those five seminars that you would recommend they do in that first year. Not because there's a problem, just because you want to guide that process. Um, Now, if the problem, if the concern is moderate to severe, recommend formal counseling they can go to summitrdu.com backslash counseling. There's about a three-minute video there where I explain to them the different resources that we have available to them, and they can pick the one that is the best fit. Uh, And again, what we've said is if they've gone through this process with you, then by the time they get to the counselor, they're going to say, this is what we need to work on. And they're going to be able to articulate that in a way that sets that up to be an effective experience for them and they're more likely to access that kind of help later on if it's needed. If the struggle, if the concern is moderate to severe, and you have concerns about one of our pastors marrying them, uh, then let the couple know. Just say, hey, we've got enough concern. We think it would be good to get a second opinion. Can we talk to the pastor uh, that's marrying you so that he can hear you out and just see if this is the concern that that we think it may be? Again, if it's a summit pastor, I especially ask you to do that. But even if it's being married by another pastor, I think they would really appreciate that. And then, unless the concern involves something that's illegal or dangerous, uh, then continue in that relationship, because relationship is the opportunity for influence. Um, Next question that gets asked. What if we're uncomfortable talking about blank? Or don't feel like we do a good job with it. Um, it. And I don't say this just as a twist. I think that may be where you serve the couple best. I'll say it this way. I believe the most effective tool that I have in discipling my two boys is my failures. There is absolutely nothing that I can use to model for them what it is to live out and embrace the gospel both in my personal walk and in my social walk than how I respond to my own failures and shortcomings, both my sins and my weaknesses. And so I would go so far as whatever that area is that you are most insecure about, I think that is probably the best asset. That will be the conversation. That if if you can have that in a humble, non defensive, non evasive way, that will be the best gift you give that couple because whatever area that they most need to be open and honest about, they're going to get to see that a real couple does that. And I don't know that there is a better gift that we can give them than that. Now, if you say, I just, I, I totally don't get this, maybe ask somebody from your small group. You say, hey, you do this well, can we kind of have a six-party meeting and we sit in on it and we kind of hear and we model that if there's something we don't well, we'll bring somebody else in and we can learn as they're learning and we can ask questions and, and we model what it is to be a learner in the process. Now, i uh, give you some key points there about engaged couples. Uh, are there books that I should be reading um, if you go through listen to parts of our seminars, we'll recognize lot, we will recommend lots of books in there. One of our goals in the way that we design those seminars is we wanted to pull from what we felt like were the best books on marriage that are out there so that you can hear samples from all of those books and you begin to get a sense that this author, I really connect with them. This one really talks about the kinds of things that I struggle with. Um, that interest me so that it helps you figure out which book you would be most interested in reading. And we want that to be the case for the engaged couples as well. Now, uh, the, um, the last question that we'll cover, and it's one that comes up with relative frequency, what if we learn that a couple is living together? Um, and, and again, it comes up very often. Uh, and so our church policy, is that uh, if a couple is living together, one of our pastors uh, would not marry them, would not perform the ceremony. And so if that's the case, just like we said before, let them know. uh, Don't go around behind them. Just say, look, this is enough of concern that we'd like to get a second opinion and have the person who's marrying you uh, speak into that and be aware. uh, Have that conversation. And what I've given you here uh, is the way that we would encourage you to broach that subject. If you say we're just starting that conversation is awkward for us, I created about a seven-minute video uh, that's higher quality than a webcam video, where I walk through this material. That if you said we just this is awkward, but we'd like for you to to listen to the material. Do you mind watching this short video uh, and us talking about it? And what we want is to facilitate that conversation. If you read this and go, I could have that conversation, it's much better if it comes naturally from you. But here's the way we frame it. Uh, I start by trying to put the question into the words of an engaged couple in a way that doesn't sound like it's biased against them. So the couple would ask, My fiancé and I are getting married in a few months, but have been living together for a while. When we were doing our premarital counseling, we were told living together before marriage was wrong and that we should live separately until we're married. We want to honor God but don't understand why this is a big deal if we love each other and we're going to be married and living together in a few months anyway. We're not trying to be rebellious, but we want to understand why a change like this would be necessary. I say, That's a good and honest question. Um, affirm the fact that they want to get married. And then just say, look, both statistics and the Bible indicate that living together before marriage decreases the quality and longevity of marriage. And we wouldn't be a good friend to you or your marriage if we didn't tell you that. And walk through the statistics. We've all heard the statistic that half of all marriages end in divorce. That's true. But it is not true to say that the half of all first marriages that don't cohabitate end in divorce. And when you look at the statistics, if you take a first marriage that starts without cohabitation, the divorce rate is half of what it is for a subsequent marriage or a marriage with cohabitation beforehand. And so just in looking at that, it's something we feel like we should tell you if we're going to do your premarital preparation. And it's not just the divorce aspect. It's most aspects of the marriage are not as satisfying, including the sex life. Really, the only thing that studies have been able to find that is better living together than maritally is that the man helps out more with housework. And I don't fully understand that. Uh, but it's about the only thing that the secular studies, meaning those without a Christian bias, um, show that is better by living together beforehand. We give them several passages where they could look at what Scripture says. Uh, we begin to engage with the fact that, yes, it is a hassle. It is absolutely a hassle to live apart for a period of time. And there may be many reasons that you have. One is we think it would hurt our relationship. Well, if it was true, the statistics wouldn't be what they are. But if you say it's a matter of finances, you don't have to follow God alone. Let us know. We want to find a place where we can facilitate somebody open up above the garage apartment or something like that. As a church, you don't have to follow God alone. We want to show you what it's like to begin to walk with God in community. We're not shaming you. We want to come with you. And even if you're not sure, continue in this premarital program because we think as you go through and see what God designed marriage to be, this kind of thing will make a lot more sense. So those are some of the frequently asked questions. The final page there is a mentor profile. Uh, Let me explain how this works. Uh, If there's some areas of your marriage that you just say, "This this is an experience that we've had. Uh, Maybe we're a biracial couple. Maybe one of us had a spouse who was deceased beforehand or we're a blended family in some other way or we're going into ministry or just something that would be an experience. One of us is an adult child of an alcoholic and we had fears going into marriage. Any kind of experience like that that you would feel comfortable sharing. If you're not comfortable sharing those things, you don't have to at all. But you can jot those down. Uh, And those go to Jill because Jill is the one who makes that pairing. Now, here's what it will mean. We always have as many engaged couples, if not slightly more, than we have mentors. So you'll get one couple initially. uh, And then a couple that will come along is a good fit. And Jill will contact you and say, Hey, I think I've got a couple that is a good fit for some of those areas of interest that you have. If you're willing to take a second couple at this time. If you say, Yes, we would love to minister in this area and that's something we want to do and we'll take on a second couple, Wonderful. If you say we can't, don't feel any pressure. Don't feel any guilt in saying this is not good for us because the last thing that I want to do is harm your marriage and setting other marriages up. So hear from me as sincerely as I can. If it is not a good time for you to take a couple at any point in time, care for your marriage. Um, that is something that I want for you very much and would implore you as strongly as I know how uh, to take care of your marriage uh, in that process. But that's our training. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to take a moment to pray for you uh, and to pray for the couples that uh, you're going to be caring for. And then if you have any questions, I'd be happy to answer those. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you. And we thank you for the gift of marriage. It is good. It is a blessing. And we would be so excited uh, to help young couples experience more of that uh, in the early days and years of their marriage. Lord, I pray that as a result of the couples that are mentored by the people in this room and watching on video, that absolutely generations would be changed because couples started with a solid understanding of what a marriage was meant to be and that their children would grow up in a stable home and love to learn Christ and embrace the gospel and that the stage would be set for just generations of ripple effect of healthy families even for those who didn't know the blessing of that in the homes that they grew up in. Lord, would you use a ministry like this to change the tide of what's going on in marriages in our culture? Lord, we love you. It's your name we pray. Amen.